Well, good afternoon, brethren, or good evening, I should say, and welcome to another Bible study. Let me just get my sound working here. And uh, we're up to uh, Hebrews 11, or we, we touched on Hebrews 11 last week. We're going to, God willing, finish it this evening. This, of course, is the faith chapter. Uh, let's open with a word of prayer and then get straight into tonight's study. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we, we just want to praise you, Father. We want to thank you so much. We are truly blessed. We are truly blessed, Father. Uh, you have spoken to man. You've spoken to man repeatedly. And in these last days, you've spoken to us through your Holy Son. And we just praise you, Father, that we acknowledge him, we recognize him, we honor him, we glorify him. And we thank you, Father, for this wonderful study that we have of the book of Hebrews. We thank you for inspiring the apostle that this was a very difficult time for our Hebrew brethren 2,000 years ago. And because of that circumstance, and because of Paul's wisdom and insight, uh, we now have this word that we can study to face uh, what is shaping up, Father, in our day now to be very difficult. Uh, we pray for more of your Holy Spirit. We pray for more wisdom. We ask you to bless our study now. And we ask this in Jesus' most holy name. Uh, so, brethren, as we get started, I just want to uh, make a note that next week I'll be traveling. I, sh I should be back in time, God willing, to do the study. But just to be safe, uh, we're going to start the study at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and God willing, everything will work out and we'll, we'll have our study. I'd rather do that than put it off and just let's keep the momentum as we uh, wind down uh, this wonderful book of Hebrews. So a reminder, next week we'll start half an hour later. With that, let's, uh, let's get into tonight's study, uh, Hebrews 11. And uh, I want to remind you, uh, last week when we looked at this, what we saw was that, and let me just clear this up, what we saw last week was that uh, the Apostle spent a lot of time in the first, in the opening chapters of the book, talking about faith, faithlessness, faithfulness, belief, unbelief, just a lot of discussion around faith. And then he breaks off, he takes a hiatus, uh, chapters 7, 8, and 9, he does not discuss faith. And then all of a sudden, beginning in 10, 11, and 12, uh, it's just back, and it, it, he comes back with a vengeance, talking about the importance of faith. And what we said is that this is by design, that 7, 8, and 9, he's really focusing on why we can have faith, why we can have confidence, because Jesus Christ is our high priest, and he is extraordinary. He is superior to anything even imaginable. And this is who we have in our corner, this high priest, mm -hmm. this, this remarkable high priest of the order of Melchizedek. And so because Jesus is our high priest, now he really wants to drive home the point that he's been making around faith. So the, the, the key point here that we want to make is that Hebrews 11, which we're studying the faith chapter, isn't just a, a wonderful chapter in a vacuum and that we could take it out of Hebrews and throw it in Romans, take it out of Hebrews and throw it in Corinthians. I mean, who cares which book it's in because it's just a wonderful book about faith. No, we care which book it is in. It is rightfully placed in the book of Hebrews, and we cannot read it unless we, we cannot fully understand it or appreciate it unless we understand and appreciate it within the context of the argument that the apostle is making. Mm. So let's just have a quick review of the apostle's um, argument and just highlight just a quick few verses of the apostle's argument, and then uh, 
we'll get we'll, we'll use that to cascade into uh, Hebrews 11 so he says here to take heed brethren uh, going back they're going back to uh, chapter we'll sort of pick up his argument in chapter 3 where he says take heed brethren beware be careful pay attention take heed brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief so he was making this argument about how the fathers were unfaithful how they didn't believe God how they didn't believe in his promise and and the, they incurred his wrath and then he says to us look be careful don't don't you fall into this trap as well there be an evil heart of unbelief this can happen to any of us so he says in any of you there's no category here where we can say oh you're safe don't worry you're you're you know you're 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 once saved always saved there's no issue for you no any of you anybody this can happen to anybody he himself said he's afraid that he may after preaching to others he himself should be cast aside so take heed brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God this is the keynote this is what this book is all about this is why the faith chapter is in this book because of the risk of the Hebrews turning aside from their faith instead exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin so while it's called today make sure brethren that you are protecting yourself and, and really protecting each other from this evil heart of unbelief so exhort one another daily like this is urgent don't let a day go by that you are not exhorting one another in this time of crisis while it's called today while we have the time because the, the deadline is coming the deadline is approaching the finish line is approaching and when it's over it's over there's no rewind so exhort one another daily while it is called today he says uh, lest there lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin and that's what he saw that setting in to the uh, Hebrew brethren or in the Hebrew community 2,000 years ago these things are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come so uh, he says goes on to say we are made partakers of Christ so so there's no reason for us to be hardened by sin the deceitfulness of sin because we are made partakers of Christ if if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end and this is what Christ himself said he who endures to the end will be saved not everybody will be saved just because you're in the community that, that's no guarantee you'll be saved we've got to cross the finish line in faith Christ tells us he that endures to the end will be saved and then he gives us the book of Revelation to say look this is what you have to endure this is what you have to get through toughen up grow a spine grow some Christian backbone because the time ahead is tough and we've got to endure to the end and it's a proving ground do we really believe God and so we must hold our confidence steadfast unto the end then he says in chapter 4 let us labor therefore to enter into that rest let's labor to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief look at the fathers God spoke in various ways and at different times in his various ways to our fathers through the prophets and look what happened to them look how they failed catastrophically look how they were punished and now God's speaking to us through his son let's not follow those bad examples let's follow the good examples 
So lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. This is what's on Paul's mind. It's all about faith. It's all about faith and the risk of faithlessness, the risk of unbelief. He says, let us therefore, and I'm just picking snippets here to follow the flow of his argument. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I know this is a, one of those sort of memory verses that people just love to quote because it's just so encouraging. But again, we have to keep things in context. And the context here is the Hebrews are facing persecution. It's an intense persecution, possibly fatal. And they're, they're, turned, they're, they're considering, or some of them already have, and others are now considering turning their back on Christ. And in that context, understanding who Christ is, what the promise is, what we're a part of, that we just have to do this and have trust and confidence in Christ, in that context, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that time of need is now. That time of need is, is a time of persecution. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is changing. Christianity is being uh, demoted, and other pagan religions are being promoted. The name of Christ can be desecrated, and the name of pagan gods must be honored. So this is the time that we are in now, and we just have to come to our high priest and ask for mercy, ask for strength, ask for confidence. And just in the news, uh, actually this week or just in the last uh, couple of uh, days, uh, the news that uh, Alex Jones has been uh, deplatformed. All the major social media platforms have all colluded and agreed that uh, he does not deserve free speech because he's been accused of hate speech. And if you're familiar with Alex Jones, he's somewhat of a conspiracy theory guy, uh, but he does speak a lot of interesting things. I have listened to a couple of his podcasts and uh, he's insightful at times. At other times, he's provocative. At other times, he's entertaining. And sometimes, frankly, he's just gone too far. And uh, in, in the case of the uh, Sandy Hook situation, you know, very early on, he came out saying the whole thing was a farce that it was, um, I, think, I think he calls it false flags, a false flag, and he just accused the whole thing of being false. And, and people lost loved ones. They lost their children in this tragedy. You know, he recanted, he apologized, but he's being sued. And that's appropriate, that if we say things that are, uh, you know, lawsuit-worthy, then we have to face the consequences, and he's willingly facing those consequences and dealing with that. But that does not mean that these private companies have the right to just deplatform him, to make him a non-person, to digitally burn his books, and, and not provide alternative alternative viewpoints. Uh, this, you know, I, when I study uh, uh, the Holocaust and I study Nazi Germany, I wonder why did these people just go along with this? Well, part of it is they didn't have a counter narrative. There was no counter narrative. There was just one narrative. There was only one viewpoint, and everybody around you is accepting that viewpoint, and there's no other viewpoint will be tolerated. And so, you know, that's what's happening now is there's only one viewpoint. If you don't share the common viewpoint, you're labeled hate speech, as if we can regulate. There's really no such thing as hate speech. There's, there's just there's free speech. There's offensive speech. But in a society that honors free speech, we allow the marketplace of ideas to sort out what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. So he's been deplatformed. We mustn't think that this is only him. He's just, he's just a harbinger of what's coming. 
you know, first they came for Alex Jones, and then they came for plug your name in. So everybody who's supporting, like, great, wonderful, he's deplatformed. Hey, you're going to be deplatformed as well. And and you know, maybe they'll turn your electricity off. Maybe they'll turn your water off because you, they don't. You don't have the right opinions. And quite curious that it's happening just as the U.S. is coming up for an election. But I also want to. So that's one point, Alex Jones. The other point we've talked about on this uh, Bible study is Tommy Robinson, who's finally been released. But he made a statement to the media. Actually, before I go there, I want to share with you uh, something called the on line hate index and uh, just go ahead and take a listen uh, to this uh, and, and just think about what's just happened to Alex uh, Alex Jones I think his name is Alex Jones and then see combine that with or just park that and then digest digest this ADL and the University of California at Berkeley's D-Lab have been working to develop a new approach to tackle online hate using the latest methods the goal of the Online Hate Index is to help tech platforms better understand the growing amount of hate on social media and to use that information to address the problem. By combining artificial intelligence and machine learning, social science, the Online Hate Index will ultimately uncover and identify trends and patterns in hate speech across different platforms. We've just completed our first phase of research and we found that the machine learning model identified hate speech accurately between 78 and 85% of the time. In the next phase of our project, we will look at specific targeted populations in a more detailed manner. We'll examine content on multiple social media sites and we'll identify strategies to deploy the model more broadly. While there's still a long way to go with artificial intelligence and machine learning based solutions, we believe the Online Hate Index will help tech companies better understand the extent of hateful content on their platforms by creating community-based stuff. I think you get the idea there. And uh, again, let's just start, start putting two and two together here. When these large tech companies that are basically monopolies can just de-platform anybody that they like and just make you a non-person, and then they can combine this with artificial intelligence to really search all of the data that's out there on their platforms, and, and just hunt down anybody who speaks opposite to the, the narrative, the official narrative, that they want uh, supported, you're deplatformed, your books are burned. ADL and the uh, this is where we're heading. And ultimately, it's all anti-Christian. It's all totalitarian, and it's all heading towards the prophecies that we were studying in the book of Revelation. I did want to take a moment and uh, just have you listen to a clip from Tommy Robinson that you may not have heard. Actually, that clip that you just saw, uh, I found that on YouTube. If you search for the Online Hate Index, and I forget who it was, there was somebody who actually combined what they did with the 1984 movie so that you can just see that everything that George Orwell predicted would be happening with respect to totalitarianism and communism, socialism, democratic socialism. It's all happening. I call him a secular prophet. Uh, he could actually see into the future and see uh, where we were heading. And absolutely, we have crossed, we've, we've, I, I think we've passed the point of no return. But I want you now to uh, let's listen to uh, this clip from Tommy Robinson, who was recently released and vindicated. Uh, the, the highest judge in the UK struck down, I think it's Judge Jeffrey Marsden's ruling, saying it was sloppy, it was inappropriate, it was reckless. And so he struck it down. Tommy Robinson should have never been in jail. Uh, the whole thing should have been done properly. But listen to this uh, clip from Tommy Robinson. I should be in prison 
the mainstream media and on a kangaroo court trial, which I'm not being funny, but there was video evidence for the world to watch to see if they want thought I should be in prison. But I'm literally on the way now, I'm traveling to the studio to sit with, to sit and talk about these issues and, and hopefully to the, an American audience, at, this should act as a warning. Um, if you look at him, he's lost 40 pounds in two months. As a, as a warning. You can see he's traumatized. The path that event, the whole West is going down. Actually, it looks like he's studying from, uh, yeah. suffering from that, yeah. PSTD. And, uh, that's it. I'm, uh, it's, uh, it's, good. it's good to be home. I've had a so I'm not sure if you could hear everything he was saying there, but uh, the poor guy, uh, you know, this, this speed with which he was arrested, uh, brought to trial, sentenced, and sent down, sent to prison, and, and treated in the worst way. I, had, uh, I heard somebody who actually served in Guantanamo Bay who said the prisoners in Guantanamo Bay were treated far better than Tommy Robinson, a political prisoner. Uh, it's just if you research it the way he was treated Tommy Robinson represents all of us who are not going along with the mainstream narratives who are Christian who believe in human standards human values that young girls should not be gang raped that this is wrong and we want to stand up against that dealt with swiftly but the actual perpetrators are mollycoddled they're dealt with patiently, it's a different culture we don't understand. This is wild. And this is where we're heading, and this is why we have this book of Hebrews. That times are going to be very difficult ahead, and we need to have faith. We need, this is the book of, about faith, how important it is to have faith. And so we have to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain the mercy and find the grace we need to be successful. And then he says, we desire that every one of you shall show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end so again everyone all of them the whole community he's desiring that they're going to see it through to the end have full assurance and confidence in verse 12 of 6 don't be slothful but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises and so this is why hebrews 11 is in the book of hebrews that there are bad examples we can look at the forefathers and, and just see how, t how what a disaster they were. But there are examples of them who had faith, and not just faith, they also had patience. Things were not going well for them. Things were not going in their favor. In fact, visually, all the data around them said the opposite of everything they believe is true. But instead of going by sight, they went by the word of God. It doesn't matter if everything around me says that nothing's going my way because I know it's all going to go God's way in time in time it's about faith combined with patience and this is why Hebrews 11 is in Hebrews wherein God willing more abundantly God really wants to do this to show unto the heirs of promise that's us the whole Hebrew community we are the heirs of promise and God really 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 wants to show us the immutability of his counsel. That when God lays down a plan, 
absolutely no one can change his plan. There's no need for him to be abrogating and trying to figure things out as he goes. He just says, this is how it's going to go down. And period. And so the faithful realize who it is we're dealing with. The creator, the controller, the architect of everything. And so his counsel, his planning is immutable. And because he wants us to understand that, he confirms the promise to Abraham with an oath. He doesn't do that for Abraham. Abraham believed him. He does it for us. That by two immutable things, the promise and then the oath on top of the promise. So God cannot lie with his promise. God cannot lie with his oath. By two immutable things. So he wants us to understand the immutability of his counsel by two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So it's, it's going to be bad. And, you know, I'm speaking now to us brethren here in 2018. It's not so bad. We can see the signs. It's definitely accelerating. But, you know, pray God that this goes into an archive and sometime in the future, uh, a brother or a sister is listening to this and realizing they can have strong consolation in the word of God, regardless of how things appear, regardless of what's happening around us, that it's all about confidence in the word of God. And we lay, we lay hold, our refuge is the word of God. We lay hold upon the hope set before us. How is that hope set before us? By the word of God. By the word of God. It's all about confidence in God's word. So then we come into chapter 10 now, the immediate coming into the context for chapter 11. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. God's word is God's word. It's immutable. Nobody can change. Nobody is more powerful than God to say, I don't like your plan. We're going to change this. Even everything the devil does works, God, works towards God's plan. Never mind what mankind can do. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because he's faithful. The one that gave us these promises, the one that gave the promise to Abraham, then put an oath on top of it so that we could have strong confidence in the promise, he's faithful. He will do what he says. He always has, he always will. And then verse 24, then we moved into this uh, new consideration. So we considered the apostle, we considered the high priest. Now he's asking us to consider one another. That everything that he says that is fearful in nature, that, that we apply to ourselves, we have to apply this to everyone in the community. And rather than just thinking, I must be saved, we have to think everyone in this community needs to be in the kingdom with us. We all need to cross the finish line together. So let's consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. As people start flagging, as people start tiring, as fatigue starts setting in, we need to provoke each other, call each other out, help each other to agape and to work. This, this is a working calling. It's not a calling that we sit back and just put our feet up and rest. There's no rest now. We're, we're laboring for the rest. The promise is about rest, that when he comes, there will be rest for a thousand years. And we're laboring to enter into that rest. But we're laboring. And so we need to encourage each other. What are your gifts, brother? What are your gifts, sister? Utilize them. Labor. This is not the time to be comfortable. It's a time to work. He says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. It's all about confidence in God's word. Don't cast it away, which has 
great recompense of reward. So God is a judge and he's going to reward the saints for our work. And so all this work that we've been doing, he's saying, don't throw away your confidence. You've got good works that God is going to reward. Just stay the course and cross the finish line. For we have, for you have need of patience. Remember, it's faith and patience. We need both. We need to have this strong confidence in God's word and then just the patience that it's going to get bad and then it's going to get really bad and then it's going to be horrendous and then it's going to get worse. But that doesn't change God's word. And so we're just patient through all of this knowing who our high priest is. That after, not before, after you have done the will of God. So we have to search the scriptures to see what is the will of God. And then we need to do that. And after we have done that, we will receive the promise. So just as the, the fathers before us who were faithful worked towards the promise, they had a hope out in front of them, and that was the promise. Same thing with us. The promise isn't being fulfilled now. It's in front of us. And so our hope is in the promise, which is in the future. And after we do the will of God. So we have to search the scriptures to see what is it that God expects of us. What is it that we must do? And then we must do that. And do it collectively. We're not all, we're not all yellow pencils. We all have different abilities. We have different weaknesses. We have different strengths. We come together and we work as a body and we do the will of God. And after we've done it, then we receive the promise. He that leads into... Uh, and so this patience, we, we were tying this into the book of Revelation. Revelation is all about the patience of the saints. And he says here that this understanding that when the beast leads into captivity, he and his followers are going into captivity. When they kill with the sword, they're, all, they're going to be killed with the sword. And in that understanding that God will judge, there will be a recompense of reward both good and evil. That is where the patience and the faith of the saints comes from. So you see the integration between Hebrews, which is a historical book, but not really. It's actually a prophetic book because we learn from the past how to conduct ourselves successfully in the future. And so Hebrews is all about faith and patience. And the book of Revelation, those who are successful in the book of Revelation, have faith and patience. And so after studying Revelation, we are now studying Hebrews to understand what's expected of us. How do we conduct ourselves in such a way that we can navigate the, 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 the waves that we read about in Revelation? Well, it's about patience and faith. Back to Hebrews leading up to 11. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. So it's just going to seem like Christ is taking forever to come. It's getting worse and it's horrible. And he just and he says, when he comes, will he find patience? Will he find faith? Well, we have to endure to the end. And we just have to read the prophecies and say, yeah, this is actually happening. If we're not familiar with the prophecies, then we don't see the road signs and we don't recognize the road signs. But if we are familiar with the prophecies, we're like, you know what? This was prophesied. This is supposed to, it's supposed to happen this way. But he will come. And when he comes, he's going to come quickly. He tells us that he's coming like a thief. It's going to be sudden. And then the immediate context now of Hebrews 11 is that the just shall live by faith. So they're facing this intense persecution. It is unreal. It's fatal. And, and Paul is reassuring them that they will live through this. This is not the end. But only the just 
will live through it. That this is coming, this is coming upon the Hebrew community, but there are hypocrites in the community. They will not live. They will die. But those that are faithful, who God declares justified, they will live. And the only way you can be justified, it's not by works, it's by faith. And so we have to understand God's word. We have to have confidence in God, God's word. God will then assign righteousness to us. We will be justified by our faith in his word, and we will live. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And we saw last week that Paul was quoting from Habakkuk, where Habakkuk says that this vision is for an appointed time. There's a specific time, and although it happened historically, prophecy is dual, and it says that at the end it shall speak. So Paul is talking to the Hebrews, and he's calling on Habakkuk, because he realizes this is the beast. This Roman Empire is the beast. And, and from Paul's perspective, this is the end. And so he's, he's drawing on the prophecy from Habakkuk to say, you know what? This is coming upon the community because there's so much unrighteousness in the community and only those who are justified in the community are going to live. The, the, that this is actually a strange work of God that is designed to separate the faithful from the faithless. And so he's encouraging them with everything he's got, all the argumentation and passion that he has to say, sort yourself out and have faith and patience so that you can be justified and you will live. So, and and this, is, so this is at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. In other words, this is reality. Regardless of what it looks like around us today, this is reality. And this is what's coming. And those who have faith do not walk by sight. We walk by the word of God. And so everybody takes what's around them and believes that that's reality. It's not reality. Basically, most of what we see around us is an illusion. Reality is the word of God. Because all of this is passing away. But the word of God is forever. And so he says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So Paul separates the community. And in fact, Habakkuk, complaining to God about the injustice that he sees in the community, it's actually God who's separating the community. That if they want to be unjust, if they want to be uh, uh, sinful and hypocritical, oh, oh well, I'm raising up the Chaldeans and I'm bringing them, and I'm bringing them on the community, and, and they will not live. But the just, even though the same punishment, the same severe consequences are coming on the whole community, the just will live. And then what we said last week was evidence or proof that Paul uses to show that the just will live is basically he's going to give them a whole list, a whole list of dead people. So, so proof that the just shall live by faith is the fact that so many have died. So he's going to give us now a whole list of people who have died to prove to us that the just shall live. So obviously what he's talking about here is living means living eternally. And we should not have any concern whatsoever about physical death. Now, Paul believed that the Roman Empire was the beast. And so he knew that this prophecy from Habakkuk was for the end time. And so he's telling them, hey, we've got to draw on this prophecy from Habakkuk to understand at the end this is what's happening. But then it wasn't. The Roman Empire has come and gone. And, and yet this prophecy 
God says, wait for it. In the end, it will come and it will not tarry. And so John understood something that Paul did not. And he says, there are seven kings, five are fallen. One is. That was the Roman Empire in John's time and Paul's time. The other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue for a short space. And this is the one that when it comes, this is the one that's going to fulfill the prophecy in Habakkuk. And it's going to prevail against the saints and overcome the saints. And, and, and uh, Luke records for us when we're studying Luke, what Christ said here, that if we are ashamed of Christ and his words, then he will be ashamed of us when he comes in his glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. So the whole key here is to believe in God's word and to just glorify Christ. How, how, we cannot help but preach this gospel. It's such good news. And we cannot help but praise Christ. And we are not ashamed of Christ. But the whole way things are going and deplatforming and hate speech and all of this, it's all antichristic. It's all designed to destroy and, and root out Christianity from society. And so in this hostile culture, we have to be willing to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Just, I'm sorry that you don't like that. It's a shame. You should embrace Christ. But he is Lord and he is King and he's coming and we will wait for him. And we love his appearing. We're looking for his appearing. And when he appears, I hope it works out for you. But we're not going to back down from saying that Christ is Lord. That's our free speech. In fact, nobody can take our free speech away from us. No one can stop us from praising Christ. And that's what Christ is saying here. That you have freedom of speech and nobody can take it away from you when it comes to praising Christ. So he's actually, so Hebrews now, Paul is leading up to this conclusion and we'll get there, God willing, in a couple of weeks. But he's leading up to this conclusion so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Meaning, men are ferocious. Men are vicious. And, and every imagination of their heart they will do. And they hate Christ. But Paul is saying, we can, if we go to that throne of grace, we can receive this boldness of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace. And the Lord is my helper. I trust him. He's, the, he's my high priest. He's in control of everything. And so there's no need for me to fear. And there's no need for you to fear. And we can exhort one another daily to say this. So this is the conclusion he's leading up to, but we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. So we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. It's very sad that Paul has to look and see these Hebrews who have defected and thinking that they're doing something intelligent by going back to Judaism. And in fact, they're, they've gone to perdition. Instead, we're of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And now he's going to lead into this whole example of people who believe to the saving of the soul. And just going back to um, Hebrews 2, where he made this argument, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, Christ himself, he also himself took part of flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him that has the power of death, that is the devil. So remember the prophecy all the way back in Genesis 3, is that when, when, when Eve failed, and Adam failed, when God gave the sentence to the serpent, he said, 
the son of man is going to come and crush you. He's going to come and destroy you. And so what we see now is he had to come as a human being. He had to partake of flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. So at the very moment when, when the devil throws all of his vile hatred at Christ and claims victory, in that very moment when, he, when, when Christ was slain by the devil, by those tools of the devil, in that very moment the devil was defeated and destroyed. And now it's just a matter of time before he's locked up and destroyed and thrown into the lake of fire. But that was the moment that he was destroyed, when the Son of Man partook of flesh and blood and, and died. So he might destroy him that has the power of death. And that's what they do. They, 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 they frighten people. And people are afraid to die. And that power is coming from the devil. So terrorism is a technique of the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So Christ has come to save us from this fear of death. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. It relieves us of this fear of death because we come to realize ah i get it the just shall live by faith i study the word of god i believe the word of god i'm justified by god and i have eternal life and so it relieves me it relieves you it relieves us of this fear of death we're no longer bound by this fear of death and that's where paul could say I, 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 the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. So now we come into Hebrews 11 where he says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We read this last week, so I won't elaborate on this. We'll get down to where we, um, we left off just to get the, the context. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. <clears throat> he says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which were not made, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We believe in the invisible. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaks. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we have to believe that God is a rewarder. It's not all this work that we're doing is not in vain. We believe that there is a reward. There's a reward for evil deeds and there's a reward for good deeds. And so we have to believe that. And so anybody say, oh, you don't need works. Then you're not believing that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet again we believe again we believe in the invisible we believe in god's word and even though all around us we don't see evidence that god's word is happening it will happen and so noah was there laboring and building this ark and there was no evidence physically that what god said was true but he just believed he believed it was true and it was true 
So warned of God of things not seen as yet, the same way we are warned of God of things not seen as yet. He moved with fear. And you know, I really, it, it, it really, it concerns me. It's, it's somewhat bewildering to see brethren who don't fear God. They, they just feel we can do whatever we like. God is so merciful. Everything goes. There needs to be fear. Fearing God is a good thing. That there is, we, we need to understand the wrath that is coming upon this world. And how we need to escape that wrath. That that wrath, we're not intended for that wrath. But there's people think that God just loves everybody and everything's fine. You're okay. I'm okay. We need to move the fear just as Noah did. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So the same way Abraham, his righteousness was by faith, Noah's, Abraham, uh, Noah's righteousness was by faith. And again, here, fear is a good thing. Paul says in, to earlier, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering his rest, we should, we should fall short of it. Fear is a good thing. It's good to fear God. He says now, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he says, oh, he obeyed. So he was called out to a place which he should receive as an inheritance. He obeyed and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. So this is really strange. He's in this strange country. He's told that this country is his. And instead of acting like he owns the place, he's living in tents and he's acting like a pilgrim. He's acting like a foreigner, even though he was told that this land is his land. This land has been promised to him by God. He's, by faith, he's willing to behave like a pilgrim in this very strange country. This is very interesting. Why did he do this? Because he looked for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. So he didn't believe that the country that he was in, in the state he, it was in, was his. Instead, he was looking for a different country. He was looking for the, the, the country or the city which had foundations built by God. And so he knew this is that the land in the state that it's in now is not in the state that I'm going to inherit it. So he's looking for something else. He's looking for the new Jerusalem. And so here we see, he says, therefore, sorry, let me just say, I went too quickly, sorry. He looked for a city whose foundation, whose builder and maker is God. He says, through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. So she's a very old woman and she was still able to have a child. Because why? She judged him faithful who had promised. So it's going all the way back to Hebrews chapter 4 and the promise of rest. And this promise being that there's this promise that they didn't enter, but it's left for us to enter. And so we have to believe in the word of God. 
and the way uh, Abraham did, the way Sarah did, the way Noah did. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So all of this came out of faith, that out of one child, that his offspring will be as many as the stars, and as many as the sand by the seashore. It's going to be, his offspring will be innumerable because of faith in the promise and having this one child through faith. He says, these all died in faith. So proof that the just shall live by faith is this list of people who all died in faith. By, by implication, there is a resurrection. There is a resurrection to eternal life. That these people will really truly live and live forever. So, so this whole thing that the just shall live by faith, even though we die, means we don't have to fear death. Truly, there is something spectacular waiting for us, and it's called eternal life, and it comes through a resurrection. Not having, so these all died in faith, notice this, not having received the promises. They didn't need physical evidence to believe. They just needed the word of God. So now these Hebrews have this promise of entering into rest, and yet it's anything but rest. It's persecution. So in the same way, all they need is the word of God. And, and the same now for us. We're entering into this time of unrest. Chaos. It's chaotic. And it's okay. We believe in the word of God. And so they didn't receive the promises, yet they still believe. We haven't received the promises either. Yet we still believe. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So this earth belongs to us. God has told us that. In fact, he's told us he wants to give us the whole universe. It's ours. And yet, we're willing to behave like strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We don't have to have things our way. We, we don't have to set up our kingdom now. We're just waiting for Christ. And so we're just going to operate. We're in tents. Everything is temporary dwellings. We're willing to leave it all behind because we've embraced the promises. We, we've been persuaded. We've read the word of God. We're persuaded that God is faithful, that it's impossible for him to lie. We embrace the promises and we confess that we are strangers on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. This isn't it. We look around us, we're looking at this world, and it's like, you know what? This is not it. We don't want to live forever on this earth the way it is now. So we're seeking another country. There's something else waiting for us. And that's what we're looking for. That's what they were looking for. They declared plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful, and, and when it says country, uh, um, a better translation would be a homeland. So they declare plainly that they seek a homeland. This is not their home. This is so, so um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are in the land that's promised to them, but this is not it. This is not their home. And so they're dwelling in, in tents because they're seeking a homeland. And truly, if they had been mindful, and notice country is in italics, it's not in the Greek, 
if they had been mindful of that, meaning that homeland from whence they came out, so if they got homesick and they were thinking of going back home, they might have had opportunity to have returned. So they realized that their homeland, their physical homeland, that's no longer their home. They've left it. They're in the new land, they're in the promised land, but it's not their home either. Not in the way that it's configured in their day. So they're looking for a new homeland whose builder and maker is God. Same for us. Wherever we were born, whatever country we are in now, uh, none of it is our homeland. Not while the devil is at work. Not while there's so much suffering. This is not, this is not it. We're looking for another homeland, our true eternal homeland. So if they had been mindful of their home that they came from, they could have returned. But now they desire a better, again, country is not there, going back to the original uh, subject, it's the homeland. They desire a better homeland. That is a heavenly one. And again, not that they desire to go to heaven, but they know that heaven, the, the heavenly Jerusalem is coming to earth. That heavenly city, that heavenly homeland is coming to earth. And so they had understanding. But now they desire a better homeland, that is, a heavenly one, where therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. God is, in other words, God is happy to be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not ashamed at all. In fact, he's honored because they honored him. For he has prepared for them a city. And we know that city, again, tying this back to Revelation, that John saw this holy city, the new Jerusalem, the, whose builder and maker is God, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride ordained for her husband. That's what Abraham was looking for. That's what Isaac was looking for. That's what Jacob was looking for. And so even though they had left their homeland, they didn't look back. And even though they were in the promised land, they were not satisfied with it. They knew this is not it. And they were waiting for this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, so this now you have to think about this one. This is a man who has waited so long to have the heir. And finally he gets the heir. And it's by this confidence in God's word. By confidence in God's word, Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises, so you can imagine what this, what, what this was like as he's walking, taking his son up, up the mountain to sacrifice him. And he's thinking, while he's walking, he's thinking, this is the heir. I'm, all my descendants are going to come out of this young man. And yet he offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall your seed be called. So in this young man, this is, this is where the seed will come out of. And yet God said, offer him. And if we just go back and quickly look at this, he says, And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me you have given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord. Faith, when we say we have faith, we have faith in the word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord came to Abraham, and that's what he had believed, that's what he had confidence in, saying, 
this shall not be your heir. But he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, count the stars, if you be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your seed be, out of this one child, out of a child that's going to come out of your own body. And he believed in the Lord. So brethren, this is the key. This is what Paul is trying to drive home. You don't need physical evidence. In fact, all the physical evidence can be contrary. What we need is the Word of God. And understand who this is. Who this high priest is that came to earth and was slaughtered so that he could conquer death and give us relief from the fear of death and conquer the devil. And so Abraham believed in the Word of God. He believed in the Lord and God counted it to him for righteousness. Nothing has changed. The just shall live by faith. The just are those who study the Word of God. We believe the Word of God. It's then accounted to us for righteousness and we are justified. And then once we are justified, we understand we are working with a God that is going to reward us for our works. And so we get busy doing works because we understand that he is faithful that promised. And so Abraham was no exception. He had works. He didn't just believe God and do nothing. He believed God and then he got to work. In fact, it's our work that demonstrates our belief in God. Just saying you believe in God is not true. The truth of our belief in God is our work. Because this is true, because God's word is true, we will behave this way. We will do these things. He believed God and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. Now, that's why the just shall live by faith. So this is what this is all about. Just as Abraham lived by faith, we will live by faith. So he goes back to Hebrews 11. Accounting that God... So he figured it out. He knew that this holy city was coming down. He knew that he was going to be the father of many nations. His, his, his descendants would be as the stars in heaven, as the sand of the sea. He knew that this new city, this new Jerusalem was coming down from heaven. He knew that he would be a ruler in this new city with God and that his descendants would be in the city with him. And so he just figured it out. He's walking his, his child uh, to the sacrifice. He's, he's, he's getting ready to lay his child on the altar. And he just knows God is going to work this out. This child is coming back to life. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead because it's God. God, God is faithful. So he never, he never doubted God's word. He didn't say, oh no, maybe, maybe God's word isn't true. No, God's word is true. So something else has to work out. From whence he also received him in a figure. So even though he didn't die, in a sense he did receive him from death. Then he goes on to say, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. So again, they could see the future. And, and Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning these things. And people think that Esau wasn't blessed. They think that just Jacob was blessed. But very clearly, the scripture says that he blessed both. So Jacob was blessed and Esau was blessed. And so I think we're very familiar with Jacob's blessing, but just quickly look at Esau's blessing. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Your brother came with subtlety and has taken away your blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob, supplanter? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright 
And behold, now he has taken away my blessing also. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? So we know that uh, Esau was Isaac's favorite son. And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him your Lord. <laughs> so this, I can't take back the performative word of the blessing that I have through the Holy Spirit, this power of the word, and it's gone forth from me. And so Jacob will be your Lord. And all his brethren have I given to him for servants. So Israel is going to be above everybody. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto you, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. So a lot of people will think that Esau wasn't blessed. But let's just continue the story. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. So Esau will be rich. The descendants of Esau will be wealthy. This is the blessing. And by your sword shall you live. So the just shall live by faith. And the just can only be in Israel. But in Esau, they will live by the sword. And you shall serve your brother, so they will be under Israel. And it shall come to pass, when you shall have the dominion. Oh, so there's going to be a change. Esau is going to be subjected to humiliation. Esau is going to have the dominion. And he will break the yoke from off his neck at that point. This is the blessing of Esau. And we know that Esau married into Ishmael. So Ishmael shares in this blessing as well. So there's going to come a time when the Ishmaelites and the, the Edomites are going to have the upper hand. They're going to have the dominion. And they're going to break the yoke of Israel from off their neck. This is the blessing of Esau. But we know it's temporary. Because God says, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I've hated. And Esau will try to build up, but God will destroy it. And they'll be called the border of wickedness forever. And Israel will be called the place of holiness and praise forever. So this is the temporary blessing of Esau. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, again, faith means confidence in God's word. So every, when, every time you see by faith, it means these people received God's word. And regardless of what the circumstances were around them, they just believed in God's word and acted according to the word of God. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. So he, didn't want to, he wanted to make sure that his bones would go with them into the promised land so that he would be resurrected in the promised land. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, I'm dying. The just shall live by faith. Joseph understood that he will live. Otherwise, why would he be so concerned about his bones? Because he was concerned about living. He was concerned about... Resurrection means you stand back up on your feet. You're dead and you're in the ground, and then you stand back up on your feet. So he understood this. The just shall live by faith. And Joseph said to his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you, 
and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He knew, he saw this land, he understood. And Joseph took an oath of the children. This is serious business. Don't allow me to be buried here. He took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. Don't allow my bones to be buried here. I'm going to die. Take my bones with you and bury them in the promised land so that when I stand back, the just shall live by faith. When I live again, when I stand back up on my feet, it has to be in the promised land. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because he saw he was a proper child, he was a handsome child, and, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. So they too had the word of God. And they believed in it and they acted with fear of God, not fear of the king's commandment. And this is, this is what faith is. We're not afraid of men, even if they're kings, where we fear God. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So, so yes, that, that's a very honorable position that he had to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but he refused it. Choosing rather, so instead of being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, which would be a really high honor to be the Pharaoh's son, uh, the, or grandson in this case, uh, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. For th These are very visionary people. They could see the promised land. They could see the future. And they weren't settling for the present. Now, you know, for, well, let's just read this here. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. So he understood Christ. He knew Christ. Esteeming the reproach of Christ of greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt. So you think of how rich Egypt was. And he looked at all of that and he could have lived in luxury. It's not that he was in persecution and he had to say, you know, it's going to be bad. No, he was in the lap of luxury. He chose persecution instead of all of these riches because he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Think about that for a minute. He, the way he estimated this, being persecuted for the sake of Christ, that was real wealth. To be persecuted for the sake of Christ is far more wealth than the billions of dollars he had access to in Egypt. Why? Because he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. There is a recompense. There is a recompense. So this, this, this reward that God is a judge and he's going to reward the, the, the faithful. And, and again, we see this recompense of reward that the word, the, the um, Hebrews 2, even transgressors and the disobedient are going to get their recompense of reward. And, in, and we read earlier, we mustn't cast away our confidence because there's great recompense of reward. So, so Moses had this understanding that these billions of dollars that I have access to are nothing compared to the recompense of reward. And so the persecution for Christ's sake is tied to the recompense of reward. And whatever that is, it's worth more than the billions of dollars in all of Egypt. We have to understand this, brethren. Don't be afraid of persecution. Don't back down from praising Jesus Christ. Don't let people frighten you out of your recompense of reward. It's, it's coming to a time, you know, without faith, without this confidence in God's word and belief in the recompense of reward, uh, it's, we can't please God. And it's coming to a time where 
all those Christians who thought, you know, I'm just going to be passive. I'll keep my head down. I'll try to keep my nose clean. I, I, I won't be controversial. I won't be in front of anybody. This is not going to work. The, these, the, the devil's puppets mean business because the devil means business. And they are clamping down and they're pushing this agenda. They're pushing this conflict. And Jesus Christ, the word of God, is going to become hate speech. But the word of God is the foundation of our faith. So we cannot back down from the word of God. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. This is the key to endurance. We see the invisible. So this is why 7, 8, and 9, Paul takes so much time helping us to see him who is invisible so that we can have this confidence. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. In other words, he moved with fear. The same way Noah moved with fear because he could see the invisible, Moses moved with fear because he could see the invisible. We have to move with fear, with fear because we can see the invisible. What's invisible is the wrath of God. You think all this pedophilia, all this rape, all this robbery, all this lying and deception, you think God's sitting back and saying, oh well, you know, it's just mankind. He is full of wrath. Mankind is made in his image and likeness. And Jesus Christ is his son. And all of this blasphemy against Christ, he is furious. I, I can't communicate this enough. The fury and the wrath of God that is coming upon this earth, we have to move with fear because we can see the invisible. We can see what's coming. And, and our, our works are the demonstration of our faith or the evidence of our faith. And the faith is the evidence of our life. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. So it was just for them, it was like they were, they were going through dry land. Uh, you know, there's this sea in front of them and no problem. It's like dry land. So it says here, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians trying to do were drowned. So, hey, Israel could do it. And then when the Egyptians tried to do the same thing, it just closed in on them and they were drowned because the wrath of God was upon them. It was not upon those who were faithful. The just shall live by faith. They lived by faith because they were justified by God. The Egyptians were not. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down when they were surrounded around seven days. So, so here now we had the, the walls of Jericho they, again, it's all about faith. They understood the word of God. They did what the word of God said. And the walls of Jericho came down. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. So she believed and she lived through that faith. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and the prophets. And this Jephthah uh, is in, it says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. So this Jephthah, he subdued kingdoms. And in Judges 11, it says, Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, didn't you hate me? And it's funny how uh, human beings are. You know, you think of Winston Churchill, where well, they hated him. They hated Winston Churchill. And, and it's often that way. They hated Moses. And yet, then they have to turn to these same people that they hated, that they say, oh, this person's awful, they don't believe, and there's all this murmuring. And then it turns out, 
God was behind that individual. He says, And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Didn't you hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And why are you come unto me now when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. I suppose they were apologizing. So they threw him out. They hated him. They wanted him. They didn't want him to, have him to be in the land. And they realized he was skilled. He was gifted. And now they're coming to him and say, will you be our leader? We're sorry. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them. And the Lord delivered them into his hands. And the reason he was confident in battle was because he had the word of the Lord. And so he went into battle with the word of the Lord, knowing that the Lord would deliver them. And in fact, they did. So he subdued kingdoms with faith, with the word of the Lord. And he smote them from Aurora even till they come to Mineth, even 20 cities. So he knocked out 20 cities and unto the plain of the vineyards with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. So he goes on to say, they quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong. Notice that, out of weakness they were made strong. We're all weak. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. It takes that weakness, it makes us strong. They waxed valiant in fight. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. The only way somebody can be tortured, there's a route to deliverance. So Hebrews, they, oh, I'm going to become a Jew. I'll go back to Judaism and I can escape the Roman persecution. These people were tortured, not accepting deliverance. The only way you can do that is if you have the understanding that Moses had. That all the riches that were available to him as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that was poverty compared to what he was going to inherit as, as a faithful follower of Christ. So he chose the persecution, or he, he, his, he estimated, he's calculating, the calculus that he did, the persecution for being a follower of Christ was of far greater wealth to him than all the billions of dollars he had access to in Egypt. And so these people who chose to be tortured, not accepting deliverance, they would not deny Christ. They had the right calculus. They figured out that all of this is temporary, but the promise is eternal. And the just shall live by faith that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. And again, you know, you, like this Tommy Robinson case fascinates me, that this is the UK government betraying its own citizens and, and silencing patriots who are saying, we have to stay on top of this and make sure that those who have committed these horrible crimes have justice served to them. No, instead of focusing on the perpetrators, they focus on the patriots. The world is changing. The Western world is, is giving themselves away. They're, they're subjugating themselves. And the Western world basically represents Christianity. And so Christianity is now being demoted. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yes, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, tempted. They were slain with the sword. So Esau will live by the sword, but the just shall live by faith. They were slain with the sword. 
They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. But they understood the recompense of reward, and they lived by faith. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, this whole list of people, all of them, the just shall live by faith. And these all, and he says, the, the time would fail me to tell you of all these others. These all, having obtained a good report through faith. So that's what this is all about. They, they understood that at some point in the future, they're going to stand before God. And he's either going to say, well done, you good and faithful servant, or he's going to give us a fail. And so these all, having obtained a good report, how did they obtain this good report? Through faith. And even though they received a good report, they did what everything that they needed to do, they still didn't receive the promise. So they died without, the, they believed that they're going to receive the promise, and they still didn't receive it. And they died not receiving it, but they died in faith. God, and listen to this, Paul is so powerful in his reasoning. So they all died not in faith, not receiving the promise. God, having provided something, some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. So who's the they and who's the us? The they are the faithful few, few relatively speaking, Many, but few, because he says time would fail. Time would fail me to tell you of all of these people. But when you think of the population of Israel, they're actually a minority. So the the they are the faithful under the old covenant. The us are the faithful under the new covenant. And they who were faithful under the old covenant could not receive the promises until the new covenant comes and we who are faithful in the new covenant they need to be joined with us in order to receive the promises that they without us should not be made complete so in hebrews 10 right before hebrews 11 he says this is the covenant that i will make with them after those days says the lord i will put my law into their hearts and in their minds will i write them and their sins and iniquities will i remember no more so, so that's the new covenant now that God is enacting. And the faithful under the old covenant will not be made complete until the faithful in the new covenant are made complete. And they will inherit the promises with us. So let us consider one another to provoke one another to love and good works. So this whole chapter that we've looked at in Hebrews 11, it's not a standalone chapter. It's very much an essential part of the argument that Paul is making. And... It's in the context, or it's in the um, portion of we need to consider one another. We need to consider the apostle who's bringing this message. We need to consider the high priest who wants to make us successful. And then we need to consider one another. And part of what Paul is giving us here is so much ammunition that when we are discouraged, when we're facing different types of situations, we are so filled with the examples of those who were faithful to God who believed in the promise, who believed in the word of God, that whatever situation our brother or sisters are going through, we can consider one another. And we can encourage them with these different examples of faith and, and, and encourage ourselves as well. 
So let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to good works. Good works because faith, we believe in God's word, but we evidence our belief in God's word by doing what he says and understanding that he's a rewarder and he's coming with his reward. So we're not of them who draw back unto perdition. We're of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So these all died in faith. These are those that believe. We're in this category. And even though we're in this category, they didn't receive the promises. Because God is giving us something better. That without us, they can't receive the promises. So we're all in the same category, but they can't receive the promises that they're waiting for, that they're going to be resurrected toward, until we fulfill our part under the new covenant. So let's conclude with uh, Hebrews 8 as we consider this just wonderful uh, high priest and these wonderful examples of belief in Christ. And now he's become a high priest of the order of Melchizedek. And so they had confidence in him before. How much more confidence should we have in him now? And, and when Paul was really uh, driving home what a powerful high priest Jesus Christ is, he said this. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. This, this is what you need to understand. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens. This is who we believe in. This is the word. This is the God whose word we can have confidence in. And so we believe in the invisible. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. We study the word of God. We believe the word of God. And we conduct ourselves according to the word of God. And we have tons and tons of examples of people who've done this before us. And so the conclusion we come to is, ah, the just shall live by faith. We believe in the word of God. God justifies us. And it doesn't matter what happens. We're going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. Jesus Christ is coming. We're going to reign with him. God the Father himself is coming to earth. And we're going to dwell. The earth abides forever. And we're going to abide on the earth forever. The just shall live by faith. So remember next week, we, God willing, we will have Bible study. We'll just start half an hour later. And we'll get into Hebrews 12, which is all about faith as well. And it's again in the section of consider one another. So let's consider one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's provoke one another. Let's exhort one another while it is called today. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's our great King, Savior, and a wonderful High Priest. He's for us. God bless.